This is Weon, and you're listening to Gravitas Podcast, making sense of the news. The week of diplomacy is ending with fireworks and not the good kind. Russia and Belarus have kicked off their joint military drill, 10 days of non-stop training. We're talking about lethal firepower here. Around 30,000 troops, two battalions of the S-400 missiles, Su-35 fighter jets and nuclear-capable Iskander missiles. Simply put, it's the biggest European deployment since the Cold War. The pictures are flattering. It's winter season here, so the training grounds are covered in snow. You've got tanks rolling in formation, you've got fighter jets zooming through the skies. It looks good on your television, but I'll tell you what, it's unnerving here in Kiev. These drills are happening near the Belarus-Ukraine border. It's a short hop from where I'm standing, around 200 kilometers, that's all. There's a highway running down from the border to Kiev. So these 10 days are going to be crucial. NATO says these military drills are a ruse that the real plan is to invade Ukraine. So Kiev is not taking any chances. They are staging military drills of their own. And the timetable, the timetable, I'm sorry, is the same as Russia's. Ten days. Now, we don't know how many Ukrainian soldiers are involved in this drill, but the firepower is impressive. We've got Bayraktar drones and anti-tank javelin missiles on display. The difference is Russia has a 100% committed partner, Belarus. You see, these drills demonstrate two things. One, Russia's military might, and two, Russia's control over Belarus. A couple of years back, this was not the case. When Russia invaded Crimea in 2014, Belarus did not recognize the move. It was only in 2021 that Lukashenko made a U-turn. So what has changed now? His position in Belarus. Lukashenko needed Putin's help to crush the anti-government protests. Since then, they're best friends. What about Ukraine's friends? All talk and little action. Their major concern is their own economy, specifically their energy needs. The import of Russian gas has slowed down in the last few days. Shipments at the European entry point in Slovakia have dropped 40%. So gas prices are climbing in Europe. Europe may say its priority is to prevent a war, but their actual priority is to protect their gas imports, which explains why they are pushing for talks. One round of talks happened today in Berlin. They're called the Normandy talks. This is the Normandy format. These talks include four nations, Russia, Ukraine, Germany, and France. Why is it called the Normandy format? Because it was first pitched during a meeting in Normandy in France. And what do these talks cover? The insurgency in eastern Ukraine. You've got the government on one side and pro-Russian separatists on the other. So far, around 14,000 people have died in this war in eastern Ukraine. Is a resolution then possible? If you ask Russia or Europe, they have one answer. The Minsk agreement signed in 2015, they make it seem like a one-stop solution. So what's in this agreement? Five major things. Number one, an immediate ceasefire. Number two, a withdrawal of heavy weaponry. Number three, a dialogue to hold elections in this region. Number four, Kiev regains control of the Russian border. And number five, all foreign fighters withdraw. Now, President Zelensky of Ukraine is not a fan of this agreement. And you can understand why this is the case. The separatists are backed by Russia. Their weapons, their funds, everything comes from Moscow. Yet Russia says they're not bound by this agreement. In fact, the word Russia is not even a part of the text. 
So Zelensky wants to reboot the talks. He has drawn a few red lines himself. Most of them boil down to one idea, no compromise on Ukraine's sovereignty. And this has put most of Europe in a tough spot. They want a quick resolution. At the same time, they cannot openly abandon Ukraine. The result is a strange strategy in Europe. Take Britain, for instance. Prime Minister Boris Johnson was in Brussels today. He visited the NATO headquarters and he talked tough on Russia. But his foreign secretary was in Moscow. A few hours back, she held a press conference with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Now, I know Moscow is cold, but even by those standards, this presser was chilling. I'm honestly disappointed that what we have is a conversation between a dumb and a deaf person. It seems like we listen but don't hear. At least our most detailed explanations fell on unprepared soil. They say Russia is waiting until the ground freezes like a stone, so its tanks can easily cross into Ukrainian territory. I think the ground was like that today with our British colleagues, from which numerous facts that we produced bounced off. India, too, find itself, finds itself in a bind. So far, New Delhi has refused to pick sides in this battle. But Russia's ambassador in New Delhi is sending out feelers. He says that Russia is India's most important defense partner and that Moscow is not just selling weapons, but also transferring technology. He added that Russia was not looking to mediate between India and China, interestingly. Now, is this an assurance or is it a nudge? Depends on which way you look at it. If the West imposes sanctions, Russia is going to turn to India to sell their weapons, to also sell their natural gas. So these 10 days won't be tough just for Europe. They'll be tough for the whole world. Our hopes are still pinned on diplomacy. But as this week comes to a close, we've seen very little progress on that front. Emmanuel Macron's Moscow mission was a misfire. So was Britain's mission today.